Hello everybody, how's it going? I am Chase Jarvis, your friend, your compadre in life and on this podcast at least. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is where I sit down with the world's top creative entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and all that good stuff, and I do my very best to unpack actionable and valuable insights with the goal of helping you live your dreams in career, in hobby, and in life. My guest today is Lewis Howes. Lewis's story rocks. I love Lewis's story as much as I love life itself. Uh, that might be a stretch, but I really, I think Lewis epitomizes so many of us, and here is why. He had a career that <clears throat> down one path where he found extreme success. He was, I think he had the world record for the most yards receiving in a pro football game. He was an arena football player, played pro football, and then got injured. So he went from like a high of 11 down to zero, basically, and had to reinvent himself off of his, uh, what is it, his sister's couch. He was so broke, so sort of lost that he was living on his sister's couch for months and months and months, injured, depressed. Uh, he talks about being, you know, really, really unhealthy. And why I think this relates to the every man and woman is because whether or not you were a pro football player and whether or not you slept on your sister's couch, we've all had, to, we've all gone through stuff. We've all had to reinvent some aspect of our life. And Lewis's story is really appropriate. And the way he gets out of that jam is worth its weight in gold. And it's simple and anyone can do it. We talked a lot about that in this podcast. And he was just at 24 years old, too. He found himself in that position. So I think it's um, um, all kinds of good stuff to take away from that story. And part of his, without going into the, all of the details, because you really want to listen to this episode and, and you'll, you'll derive those valuable insights, but a couple of highlights. One of the things is he joined Toastmasters, which if you don't know what Toastmasters is, that's like local um, public speaking. And people, I think you know that most people fear public speaking more than they fear death. Um, so... Uh, Lewis talked about joining this very simple thing, joining toast, jo joining toast masters and then setting the goal of giving himself, uh, or the goal of within a year to make a thousand dollars off a public speaking gig. So you start to see how Lewis thinks he's a big fan of creating structure. He uses his background in sports, which I think this is actually a fascinating sort of a metaphor, um, for having, uh, for teamwork, for having a vision of what you want. He works in intense bursts, uh, in six to 12 month bursts around specific projects. And he calls them uh, seasons, actually. He thinks of them a little bit like um, like his background in sports. Um, but he uses that for not just business, but for life goals as well. He's got an amazing podcast uh, called The School of Greatness. And he just launched his first event, actually, called The Summit of Greatness. Uh, that podcast gets uh, a million downloads a month. This guy is just, he reeks of authenticity, of soul, uh, and of sweetness. The guy is, for being a big, big dude, he is just a, he's a gentle giant. I love this guy, and you will love him too. Please, now, before we get to the show, though, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors, and then we're going to get into it. This episode is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest hub for online creative education. 
education in photo video, art design, music and audio, and the ability to make a living and a life in those disciplines. It's the highest quality, highly curated classes taught by the world's top experts. We're talking Pulitzer Prize winners, Oscar winners, Grammy Award winners, New York Times bestselling authors, and the best entrepreneurs of our time. Names like Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington are on the platform. And you get classes taught from guys like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, uh, Ramit Sethi. Again, I could list uh, a thousand other names of the top photographers, designers, musicians, the best in class. You get it. Now, right now, if you're familiar with me and my work, you might be saying, well, wait a minute. Isn't that a company that you started, Chase? Well, yes, it is. In fact, Creative Live makes this entire podcast possible. And in fact, all of my longstanding Chase Jarvis Live shows. Creative Live has millions of students around the world. More than 2 billion minutes of education have been consumed on that video platform. So, you know, that's a little bit of the sort of the what and the how behind Creative Live. But here's the why, which I think is so critical. Creative Live exists to help you live your dreams in career, hobby, and life. In short, I started Creative Live with a bunch of really committed friends because we saw a a big need in the world. We wanted to help our peers and friends and, and folks out there in the world transition to new careers, live new dreams, take the leap, if you will, into an entirely different sort of direction where you can leave that job, maybe your job with the man, and strike out on your own. I also saw my peers in the photo and design world needing to sort of up their skills and get ahead. And I saw friends who were happily working at great companies but wanted to pursue their hobby to a next level that you know might someday parlay into a side hustle. So we built that platform. Uh, these classes at Creative Live are the most highly and authentically produced of any of the online video platforms you'll experience. The top experts, it's all shot with 48 cameras, all in HD, beautifully presented and accessible on desktop, tablet, mobile. You know I stand for quality and that's what Creative Live uh, puts out. To that end, I have also taken it upon myself to curate a handful of my very favorite classes and mix them in with some of the top performing classes on Creative Live. And I'll bake that into a landing page called creativelive.com slash hustle just for you. This community listens to our podcast here. So you should go there and you should check that out as a special thank you for being a podcast listener. If you find a class that you love, either from the ones that I've curated or elsewhere on the site, and you want to buy it, during checkout, enter the code CHASER. That's my name plus an R, just C-H-A-S-E-R. And do that during checkout and you'll get 25% off your order. Uh, I think that's awesome and I hope you do too. So thanks very much for checking it out. Let me know what you think. Now that's it for the sponsors. Uh, Now let's get into the show. Lewis, thank you so much. Thanks, brother. I'd hug you, but we've already hugged like 20 times. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Um, you heard of my intro, The Big Book, mm-hmm. School of Greatness. Yeah, I know man. you've been working on that for a long time. You got the podcast. But before we go into all the, um, the accolades and um, your journey, specifically as of late, let's go way back. Because mm. one of the things that I'm trying to do back is... Back in the time. Yeah, back in the day. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is help sort of help people understand that the people that are online or the people that um, we'll call them thought leaders, that a lot of people pay attention to, that they've all had hard times too. Mm-hmm. And uh, the crowd who's on the other side of this camera, they're, it, it's, I would say this community is a, creator, a creative community, it's an entrepreneurial community, it's a community that's also sometimes trying to go from zero to one. They're, they're in yeah. a rut and they wanna break out. Yeah. Uh, and so I like to, to tap into each guest's sort of history, mm-hmm. specifically around tough times. And, and yeah. I think the story that I know about you 
that I was hoping you could recount is <clears throat> athlete, got broken. Yeah. You were literally injured sleeping on your, your uh, sister's, couch. sister's couch. Yeah. So take us back. How long ago was that? And what kind of condition was, mm. were, were you and your life in at that yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, even before then, I had a big dream. I always dreamed big. I think I had a creative mind and just wasn't able to be artistically creative with uh, you know, painting or drawing. But sure. I always wanted to put my ideas into reality in a creative process. And for me, that was with sports. Football was a big passion of mine. And uh, my whole goal growing up was to be a professional athlete. That was my dream. That's all I wanted. It's all I cared about. It's really all I was good at. I wasn't good at school. Um, it was hard for me to comprehend things in school, but sports and being physical and active, I could get. I could yeah. pick up quickly. And I excelled. So I, you know, I did well in college. I had an opportunity to go play professional football. I played arena football for a while. And then I got injured. I broke my wrist, diving into a wall. Um, and snapped it when I dove into a wall to try to catch a football. And I remember I was kind of in denial. I was like, okay, this is broken, but I'm gonna come back next season and be okay. But as I, I was in a cast for six months from here to here, just walking around like this. How brutal a cast. I broke both my wrists twice. It's miserable. It's miserable. Miserable. You can't <laughs> you get do that. You wanna get the hanger down, no, then you it's get the so itch. bad, man. It's so bad. <laughs> and so for me, I didn't have a backup plan. You know, I didn't have a college degree yet. This was in 2007, going into 2008, and the economy was pretty bad in the U.S., so I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have any money saved. I was living off three credit cards. I had a lot of student loans. Um, and my father had just gone through, the year prior, had a really bad head injury. He got hit in a car accident. He was in a coma for three months. Oh, my God. He's never been the same. He's still alive, but for over 10 years, he's been, you know, essentially learning again. We had to teach him how to write, how to talk, how to use the restroom, how to do everything, how to walk. And he's still rehabilitating, essentially, today. So my relationship with him changed from him being my father and mentor and kind of coach and friend to you know, really needing to be there for him. Yeah. And so when I didn't have any money, I didn't have any direction, I didn't have the support, the finances, and my dream was over, I was like, what am I gonna do now? Wow, that's pretty I had, heavy I had stack no, I had no you. clue. You know, listen, I was still had a family, I still lived in America, so that alone gives me an advantage, right? Yeah. It's like, there's always something that could be a lot worse. Sure. Um, but for me, it was really trying to figure out what am I gonna do next? I was 23, 24 years old, and I was just like, okay, what am I gonna do the rest of my life? Whereas a lot of pro athletes, they have no clue what's next. You know, we lose our identities very easily when we put our passion and our energy into one thing. And then when that's gone and that option's no longer on the table, it's a, it's a reality check. Yeah, it's a soul searching, yes. identity crisis, yeah. all this stuff. So I, uh, luckily I have a great you know, sibling support. My sister was like, why don't you come live with me for a while on, my, on her couch? You are in the Midwest and did I you I was come in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, nice. yeah, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, I just went back there. And for about a year and a half, I was just uh, kind of trying to figure it out. I had no clue, I wanted to make money, I wanted to be, uh, have an impact in the world. I wanted to do something that I loved. I wanted to inspire people, but I had no clue how I was going to do it because the way I used to do it, I could no longer do. That's, you had the, uh, quite a few things stacked against you. Yeah. What was the first step towards like achieving those things? Because I, I feel like <clears throat> Brene Brown has this term she calls gold plated grit. It's like, I was down on my luck and this happened. It was the worst day ever. Mm. And then I was right on top. Right. It's just like you talked about the grit, but yeah. you, like there really wasn't. Eight a, years later, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like just starting. You grinded and grinded <laughs> and grinded. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I think what you were talking about before, a lot of people want to get to the top pretty quickly. Yeah. They want to make the money or get out of their situation. And I think everything is a process and a journey. You know, everything has its time and its place. And even when we accelerate things, you know, even with Creative Live, when we learn and we accelerate the learning process, we, it still takes time to, to master the process. It still takes yeah. time to get the credibility and generate the results over and over and over again to get us to where we want to be. At the, at the peak level of performance, there yes. is still a trajectory that yes. you sort of can't exceed. Or if you do, the chances of you staying there almost are very zero. Slim. Yeah, very, very slim. Very slim, because you probably don't have the experience and the understanding and the awareness of where to take it and how to continue to maintain it. True. Uh, so for me, the first thing I did was after I watched a lot of TV and, and laid there with my sister's golden lab, which her name was Lady, the dog, and just <laughs> so laid like, there with Lady. Laid there with Lady for like lay, hours lady, every lay. day. Isn't yes. that a, that's a great song. Yes. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, I started to reach out to you know try to define mentors. Again, my father really wasn't in the picture. I couldn't lean on him because he was in his own recovery phase. Yes, and in some ways. I looked back at it and I was really upset and frustrated that he had gone through this accident because he essentially was like, go do your thing, go live your dream, and then when you're done playing football, you can come work with me. I've got this business, like you can come, I can just plug you in and away you go. But I didn't have that. And Were you I really depressed? Were you clinically depressed? I would depressed? say, I don't know if I was clinically depressed, but yeah. I was just you know in a funk constantly, sure. so whatever that is. Um, and even though I didn't necessarily want to go work with my dad, like that option wasn't there. And his financial support, his emotional support wasn't there at all. So I'm a 24-year-old. I have no clue what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Um, and I said, you know, I need to find some people who can kind of create that support system for me. My family was there for me, my siblings. But I really wanted to find mentors that I could learn from. You know, my siblings taught me a lot, um, but they didn't know the things I wanted to know in business and getting to the next level. Sure. So I started reaching out. I actually joined a, uh, I was doing a lot of salsa dancing actually at the time because I just wanted to stay in my body. I wasn't able to use my arm, mm -hmm. but I could move my legs. So I did a lot of salsa dancing and I would meet people that were passionate about life. And then I started asking them questions. I started saying, you know, what is it that you do that excites you? What are you most excited about? What are you passionate about? And how do you make money doing that? And the more and more I, the more I did that, I just realized that there's so many options out there. There's so many things that it's people can do. It's crazy how many options there are to make money. So many things that people can do to live a an living. incredible yeah. life yeah. and make a full-time living. And some of these people weren't making millions of dollars. They were making a good living, but they were so lit up every single day around doing what they loved. And uh, I met this one guy salsa dancing, actually. I'll never forget. And he told me one night at, like, in the corner of the salsa club, he's like, I'm a, you know, a public speaker, and I inspire youth through my words. And I was like, what a powerful thing to do, to like, inspire people through speaking. He's like, oh, yeah, and I make 100 grand a year doing it, just traveling the country, speaking at high schools. I was like, really? I was like, I am terrified to speak in public. <laughs> like, it is one of my biggest fears, like most people. Yeah, starting more than, out, more it's than like, death. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's a huge, I'm terrified of like what people think of me, uh, if I'm gonna sound stupid, if I'm not gonna say the right thing, if I'm gonna humiliate myself. And I, I asked him for a meeting. I was like, can I meet with you and learn more about how, you, how you're doing this? And i never forget this. I met him in Columbus, Ohio, at Easton, at Barnes & Noble. There was a Starbucks in the corner. We sat there at a table, and he told me that if I want to really make an impact in the world, I need to learn how to communicate and speak on stage, whether that's on a stage like this or in front of a lot of people. He's like the greatest leaders in the world know how to communicate, and they can move people to action through their words. 
And I thought to myself, wow, it's actually true. You know, I started to think back about, you know, presidents move people, you know, coaches, coaches Stand, move people, yeah. inspire people to yeah. like, take action and believe in a vision, right? It all stems from a vision. It's about this creative process of using what's in our minds and speaking it and getting out in the world. And he said, you need to join this thing called Toastmasters. If you want to be a great public speaker, there's a thing called Toastmasters. I had never heard of Toastmasters. He told me what it was. And he said, if you want to be great, start there. Start somewhere, and this is the place. So I joined this Toastmasters club. That was a local club in Columbus, Ohio. For those who don't know what it is, it's a public speaking group all around the world. There's In every major city, you can join a group. It's like 50 bucks for the year. And so I joined this group, and I remember being so terrified. Like the first time I stood in front of this room of 20 friendly faces who are there to support Literally you. Literally there to support you. Literally there to like be like Good on job, the edge buddy. of your seat, like waiting for you, like cheering, <laughs> standing up, no matter what you say, just to like build you up. Uh-huh. Um, and I spoke the first time and I was just like, I couldn't look anyone in the eyes. Uh, I was trembling, I was shaking, I was sweating, and I just was like, I had no clue what I was saying. I was so terrified. But I remember the support and the encouragement. They were just like, we would love to have you come back next week. And I said, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna come back every single week for a year and see how far I come. Wow. So every week I would train to be a better public speaker. And the first, um, the first speech I gave was like a 60 second thing just introducing myself. But my official first speech was like a five minute speech called an icebreaker. I spent weeks on this five minute speech <laughs> writing word for word everything out. I had pages of my, my speech written out word for word, and when I got in front of the podium, I, again, couldn't look anyone in the eyes. I had to look down at the notes and read word for word my entire speech. And then I couldn't even look up when I was done. I just walked back to my seat because I was so terrified of the response. Did you go for the whole year? I went for the whole year. That's Every so week brave. I went, and I, I just gave myself another challenge. I said, okay, how can I go there and not read the entire time? Like I'm still gonna write down my speech and I'm gonna read it, but how can I like find a place to look up and breathe? Like that was the next challenge. Then the following speech, I gave 10 speeches in a year. The following speech, I was like, okay, how can I go up there and just like look up and down in the whole time, but still have my, my thing written out. Then how can I go up there with just note cards and just like five bullets on each note and then do it behind the podium? Then how can I go up there with no podium and just note cards? and do the same thing. And then how can I do it with no nothing. cards, no nothing. And no clothes on. Exactly, right, no <laughs> clothes on. And each week, I just got more and more feedback. And during this time, wow. I, also hired, I also had a coach that was like there, like a mentor who was in Toastmasters, mm-hmm. who I would go to his house and work on it like after work, and uh, he would give me like an hour of his time to like practice with him. So for me, it was about learning a new skill. It was about trying to become a master at a certain level. Mm-hmm and um, finding a coach in that process to accelerate it. So but most I, importantly though, it's about communicating, right? Yeah, of course. Like to me that's the, well A, the dedication, uh, let me back up a little bit. So I love your, your point about communicating and how it's mm. basically required for all leadership and if yeah. you, wanna, you wanna, if you wanna manifest the thing you have in your mind, you have to you know, rally other people around mm-hmm. you either to support or get on board. Uh, specifically the practice, let's talk about that, because I think yeah. there's this desire to go from zero to 10 overnight. Yeah. 52 weeks of attending these things, 10 speeches over the course of yeah. the year, and that was, and that process was 
really step one, was it not? Step one. And I also had a, I gave myself a goal. I said, okay, I'm gonna make $1,000 on a speech by the end of this time. So I was like, gave myself a big scary goal. And I was like, who would pay me to speak about anything? You know, I had no skills or no experience besides being, a, you know, an average player in an arena football league that got injured. So I was like, who would actually pay me? Um, but I said, I need to have like a goal attached to this to give myself something to work towards as well. Not just become a great speaker, but what am I moving towards? What's the purpose of this? And that was the first step of the purpose. It's like, let me see if I can monetize this in some way in a year. And that's like, how can I enroll someone in the vision of having me speak? Whether it be a local group, a high school, I don't care, but this is what I'm gonna do. And that challenge that I gave myself is something I think a lot of people don't do. We don't challenge ourselves enough. To, thinking, yeah. you know, and that's why I have a program where I'm constantly challenging people to do something that seems a little scary to them. Um, otherwise, we're just working towards nothing. We're just working to build skills, but what is it for? So create a challenge with a deadline and a date. And I think that steps up the ante of what you're doing. Tell me about your $1,000 speech. Yeah, I remember it was, uh, at the time, I was actually doing a lot of LinkedIn. You, I think you met me yeah, originally when I, I was so. teaching people about LinkedIn for... During this time on my sister's couch, I was just trying to learn and grow about what was available for me. And blogging was pretty big back in 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. Guys like Chris Brogan and Guy Kawasaki were like getting famous for doing this blogging thing. And I was like, this is amazing. You can make money or build an audience or just like impact people through the internet. This is amazing. So I learned about LinkedIn from another mentor and said, why don't you check this out? There might be some opportunities for you. I spent about six to eight hours a day on LinkedIn just like optimizing my profile, diving into groups, connecting with people, meeting influencers, taking the online connections offline and just learning uh, you know, from people on there. And then people said, hey, can you help me with LinkedIn? Your profile looks amazing, can you show me how you did it? So I started doing that for free for friends. They were getting jobs or landing deals. And then one guy was like, I'll pay you $100 to do this for me. And I was like, really? You'll pay me for this? This is something I'm already doing that I like doing, that I'm good at. And um, I optimized his profile, he paid me, and then I just made a business out of that. I started doing more and more of the consulting for people, then um, that was my first speech, talking about LinkedIn, and I made $1,000, like a local business chamber. Within the year, did you hit your goal? Within the year, yeah, the nice. date, I, I set a date, I put it on my wall with uh, the date I wanted to achieve it, and it happens, yeah. So goal setting is clearly a huge part of your life. I know that more, mm -hmm. more than, I know beyond that story that you just yeah. shared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it's it's interesting that you yeah, that that's actually a thing with everything. Like you, when mm -hmm. you came out with the School of Greatness, you told me you're working on the book, and you said my goal is to get this thing on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh -huh. um, I said that I wanted to be number one. I got number two, so it's okay. The Sometimes sting it doesn't of defeat, happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, this speaks into a lot of creative artists. I'm assuming a lot of creative artists are are, are watching or listening to this, yes. and I think um, I have a like an awe. For artists, I'm like amazed at singers, musicians, people who can draw, video, any type of craft, filmmakers. I'm just like at awe because it's so inspiring for me. Because anything that someone can put out there that gives me chills. I watched a video today, a 90 second video that literally gave me chills. Every hair on my body was risen, and then I watched it 10 more times. A 90 second clip that our mutual friend Jason Silva texted me this morning. And I was just like, I'm so in awe at creativity when someone can create something. It's powerful, man. Right? Mm. And move you. Yeah. And then move you to tears even, or move you to action. It's just like so powerful. But I think that there's so many artists 
and I'm speaking about artists, entrepreneurs, anyone creative, don't create goals and deadlines for themselves enough. They're too in the clouds. They're too in their mind about their art. Yeah. And they're not as practical about creating some type of structure in the process. Yeah, I, let me talk about structure yeah, for a go second. Ahead. So structure, for, I uh, am the person you describe. And for me, for a long time, when I decided to jettison everything, all everybody else's plans for me, I, I, I talk about it in terms of uh, if you don't write your own script, someone else will write it for you. Yeah. And when I finally was brave enough to do that and I was just like scraping by, uh, taking pictures, selling fine art prints and a couple, you know, doing a, I did a commercial shoot that got me 500 bucks and like all these really, really <laughs> small things. But I felt like a structure was there to keep me down. Mm. Like, oh man, I'd left what everybody else wanted. So now it's like free and expression and what art and creativity requires, yeah. no, no boundaries. And what I found out shortly thereafter, maybe even not shortly, a couple years through that process, was structure actually creates freedom, right? Yeah, it literally creates freedom. If you're doing, like, there's something that you're doing over and over again, a Photoshop uh -huh. action or whatever, like, if you can find a way to yeah. um, automate or put that thing on rails, as I call it, like, that frees up RAM for you to actually do mm. the creative stuff. And once you've created something, how can you sort of operationalize it and create a support network, right. whether that's peers, whether that's uh, a morning routine, all those things that I, I felt were there to keep me down were actually amazingly powerful vehicles for action. Right. So does that match your... Absolutely. Um, I mean, and this is what I learned in sports. You know, my whole life after sports has been based on, like, here's what I know what works. Sports is a structure. There's a practice schedule. Every day you show up on time and you leave at a certain time. You have a vision. At the beginning of the season, we have a big chalkboard or whiteboard that the coach says, what is our dream? What do we want to create together as a team? What, if we can imagine anything happening, how are we going to put it on paper? And then we literally write out and we collectively say, yes, that's what we believe in. That's what we want to create this season, the next three to four months. Then we say, okay, here's the game plan for making this happen, this dream a reality. Every day we're gonna practice, it's gonna be really freaking hard. It's gonna be a lot of work. There'll be days you're gonna to wanna to not show up. And some mornings we're gonna do lifting, and some nights you're gonna stay out late, and whatever it may be, to do more. We're gonna watch game film, we're gonna do this and that. And uh, each week we're gonna have a game. And that game is gonna show us what we need to do. It's gonna give us feedback on where we're at to create the dream we want at the end of the season. And we're just gonna keep moving forward, and here's the structure. Now within the game, since we know the plays, you have freedom to improvise in each play. And once you catch the ball, now it's on you to perform and to really let your artistic creativity come out and shine so that you can create awe and an incredible moment for everyone watching. So the structure actually allows you as an athlete to be creative. So true. And so I've just translated that into business. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything in school. I wasn't really. I love that you don't have to know stuff. Like you have to right. know that you're, you're taking something yes. that you do know. It's not like there's something out there that you need to go sort of conquer this beast before you do something. Right. Even the conquer of the conquering of the beast can be done with the, like what you have right now. And all you need to do is get to the next step. You don't need to. That's it. You don't need to you know, hit the home run. You need to show up. I, that's it. I think it's important to have like as an artist or entrepreneur to have like a six to twelve month vision and make it like a season, like a, maybe make it three months, but give yourself like a season of time. 
not this five or 10 year thing. You can have a, a bigger vision of like what you wanna create in your life, but like six to 12 month season of your life, what do I really wanna create? Like what would light me up, what would fulfill me, what would be great if in six months I achieved this or I was in this direction? And really be clear, write it down and give yourself a deadline. With that structure, that end game within the season, then you can play. You can you know, be organized every single day to get you there. It's very simple. And that's what I've translated into my business. You know, and I'm still not perfect at it. Yeah, you only got second place in the New York Times. Exactly, second place, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Incredible, congratulations, <laughs> bud. Um, so I love the word play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I also, I think we've talked about this before. I went to college on a soccer scholarship and uh, the concept of playing and, and exp- it was very much uh, in soccer, maybe it's, um, you know, there's a strong Latin influence and there's sort of, it's a lot of it's self-expression. Yep. Yep. And uh, this person has a particular style. Yes. Um, and the concept of play, when translated to creativity, it was a, it's a perfect one-to-one match for me. And I think what I hadn't thought about that you just shared with me was the structure that sort of sports gives you. And when you're an, a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. or an artist trying to find out a way to make a living, I think that the structure is missing, largely. and that the, the, it's on us to create that. Yeah. So there's gotta be different kinds of structures for different folks. You mentor a lot of people now, mm-hmm. uh, you do a lot of giving back, um, you have some coaching, you have all kinds of online products. What can you tell the people at home about how to create their own structure? Um, I think... It's a tough question, I realize. <laughs> it depends on what you're trying to, trying to, it depends what you're trying to do, people. but I think, here's what I'll say, I think it's always important to have a team involved in whatever you're creating. Whether it's one person on your team, or 10 people, or however many, because it's not fun creating something meaningful on your own. Yeah, in, so, in a basement, in a dark basement. Exactly, so whether it's just one person, an assistant, a partner, whatever it is, have a team in creating something. And maybe you say, well, I don't have any money, I can't hire a team. Well, then maybe it's just a, a friend that you're a, an accountability partner with and you're creating that team. Um, and I think this is something I do with my team that I started implementing about a year ago is like once a week we just do a check-in to realign our vision and speak about, okay, here's what we're really creating. What's the most important things? Because I easily get distracted. There's so many opportunities coming my way and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not really what we're doing. And uh, let's take a step back and make sure that we reconnect. Every week you have a check-in. Every Monday we do a check-in, yeah. And um, we, we all start off with what we're most grateful for and really get grounded because I think we could easily, I mean, I think we have similar personalities. I can easily be triggered or upset with the best of them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and get negative and frustrated about whatever's happening or not happening. And so for me, I do this as a daily practice to stay positive, to yes. stay um, focused on what really matters. And I think gratitude, it's hard to be angry or upset. You can't leave And grateful at the same tried. time. I've tried. It's really hard. You can't, you can't and, literally do this. And if I'm like ever that. off emotionally or upset about something, I'm just like, what am I grateful for? I'm like, man, I just feel so much better, you know, because there's so much good out there. I love the concept of a team, man. Yeah. I really do. I think yeah. even a team of one, a peer, uh, a parent, a sibling, yeah. like your sister was your first teammate. When yes. In and the lady of the dog, just yeah. laying on my lap, yeah. just check in with the dog. I mean, it doesn't even need to be human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, the team. And here's what I'll say. I mean, an example, I have an online community and um, that that's part of this book and this program and I tell, um, they create their own group. They create their own like mini group of like mm-hmm. five or six people. 
accountability group. And someone today left a comment in the group and was just like, I am so grateful that I have this group. We check in for two hours a week and we have so much great ideas and inspiration and it keeps me inspired and on track. And I think that's just so important. We were born to connect. So we weren't born to be alone. So make sure you're creating ways and facilitating that type of intimacy and connection once a week to stay on track. I love the structure. I also think that in particular there's a disposition for folks to identify as creative, entrepreneurial, um, that there's this sort of lone wolf mentality. Yes. And you know, I, I, one of the things that I, I'd like to check in with you on is sort of the sh sharing of the progress. Um, Austin Kleon's been a guest on the show. He's got a great New York Times bestseller called Show Your Work. It's about actually- Show your work? Yeah, yeah. involving people in the process of making. Like it, it helps build this, there's a great community that ends up bubbling yeah. up around your work, whether you share it online or in person. But the, the most sort of toxic thing is sitting in your basement and trying to make the perfect thing, especially mm. when you're flying solo or if you have sort of a lone wolf personality. So Toastmasters yes. sound like it was a vehicle for you. Um, there are other vehicles, but I'm wondering if you see this as, is this, does this transcend? I think artists think they're their own bunch, mm. or creatives think they're their own bunch, but do you feel like this transcends, is this a human thing connection, or is it just a thing that Yeah, I think so. To? I mean, again, we, if we're talking about sports, it's like you've got to connect with your teammates, your coach. Whether, even if you're a tennis player, you still have a team around you yeah. if it's a solo sport. You know, so it's reconnecting with your coach, your nutritionist, whoever, your sports psychologist, your family, and, and I think, uh, it translates to every area of life, business, sports, relationships, So you artists. Yeah, for sure. You struggled early. Yep. You pulled yourselves up by your own bootstraps. How long was that process of sort of getting out of the mud? I mean, it was a couple of years. It was two years until I started to make like a few hundred bucks a, you know, a week or whatever. And um, so I struggled for about a year and a half to two years of really not making any money. It's, it's, and it was frustrating because I remember I had another mentor that I was working with probably about 20 hours a week who was a very creative, he's an inventor, he creates like new products and brings it to market. So I learned about design, I learned about PR, packaging, uh, the consumer experience throughout this process. And I remember being like, and he paid me 500 bucks a month eventually, he would pay me 500 bucks a month. And I was like, man, I could really use some money right now. Like I'm broke and this sucks, you know, and I'm living in Columbus, Ohio and it's, it's pretty inexpensive to live there still, but um, 500 bucks a month is all I was making, really. And he said something I'll never forget. I've mentioned this all the time. He said, money will come to you when you're ready for it. And I was like, I feel pretty ready. You know, I'm like, <laughs> Check I'm my pretty broke. I'm pretty ready. I'm pretty ready. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's interesting because I think back on that all the time because if I would have gotten like five grand just in my bank account at that moment, I probably would have blown it. I wouldn't have known how to reinvest it or apply it to what I was doing. I'd have just been like, oh, because I had this mentality that I wasn't ready for it. And the more I started making money, I realized, you know what, I have been putting in the work, I've been creating the relationships, I've been creating results over and over again that deserve this type of money that I'm creating now. Like, I see the worth that I'm creating. As yeah. opposed to just saying, I'm worth it yeah. for doing nothing, and then I should just have money. No, I'm actually creating value over and over again for people that is getting incredible results for their business and life that, yeah, this amount is worth what I created. I think there's a, it's a really interesting perspective that, um, let's talk about it in terms of entitlement. And mm. I, I don't wanna talk yeah. about um, generations of people because I don't like drawing a whole circle around generations yeah. of people, but I think the, there is a, a, a disconnect that I see from 
people who are trying to sort of make this shift into, uh, we'll say, working for the man, mm -hmm. as in air quotes, uh, and, and trying to shift into something that is more in line with their lifestyle or lifestyle business yeah. around you know, photography, design, film and music, entrepreneurship. And that is, there's a disconnect between what they do, or I'll say we, because I, I found myself in this position. Do you do a thing or do you add value? Because at the end of the day, mm. what you're really being measured by and what you're, what's gonna get you invited back for more work is did you add value? Yeah. Because someone's giving you money in exchange for something and that, that yeah. thing is value. And if, you, if they give you $500, and you deliver more than five hundred dollars worth of value, either I mean at least at or above five hundred dollars worth of value, yeah. you want you want you want to have that person back in your life. Absolutely. And instead of just the act of going through the motions of say taking someone's photograph or whatever, did you above and beyond deliver that value or greater? And can you be honest with yourself in that process? Mm -hmm. does, does it sound like you were? Is that what, sort of a mentality that you're in at this point, or? Right now, absolutely. No, in, in, at that point. Yeah, at that point. Yeah, at that point. I mean, I was just like, I didn't even know how to make money. I was just like, how do you do this? You know, I had no clue. Um, and then when he told me that, it started to like make sense afterwards. I was like, I'm not really adding more va value to give to someone that's worth them giving the amount of money that I want. I don't even know how much money I wanted. I was just like, I'm broke, and I want to make more. I was like yeah. the starving artist, right? Yeah. Except I didn't have a creative talent, like most artists. Um, and so I started to learn, like, how can I package and position myself to add value and then put a price tag on it? And once I started to learn that, everything changed for me. Like, the whole game changed. I was like, wow, okay, I see how to position things. First, I see how to add value and get results for people, because that's all that matters first. Yes. Then I see how to position it and package it so that people understand the value they're getting and the results they're going to get, so that when I sell it, it connects with them, they buy it, they take action, they get incredible results, then they tell their friends. And that creates a loop for me that get more sales, more customers, more results, you know, more experience, which increases my rates with all those things. So this and, is a little um, virtuous cycle. Yeah, right? it's its own like loop, I guess, yeah. So, but so it's, it's all come, stems from the value first. So you're creating value. And to create value, you've got to work on yourself to develop new skills. So for me, that was Toastmasters originally. Mm -hmm. A year of training. With you, that was photography school or whatever it was. The experience that you had to become a photographer initially mm -hmm. where you could charge for the value. But you've got to build a skill first. Then I spent eight years researching and studying how to write a, a great book. You know, and how to package and position a book. I didn't come out with a book that was a New York Times bestseller the moment I said eight years ago, I want to write a New York Times bestseller because I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have the skills yet. So I put in the time, the energy to develop the skills where I could have the value to position myself to potentially achieve the dream. Wow, it's a lot of ifs. <laughs> no, I love it, I love the layer. I think that that's, I'm gonna try and put a bow on this concept that we've been talking about yes. right now. And what it sounds like we're talking about to me, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but it's a, there is a plan that you are working toward every day. You're putting in effort and that effort is going towards a goal. I would call it a vision. A vision, okay. Because I think, a plan is not a very sexy. A vision is powerful. Yeah, and a plan is like, there's a, a, a an game evacuation plan. <laughs> plan on the door <laughs> exactly. over there. Right. I think the plan stems from the vision. We have a vision that's what fuels us every morning. Because a lot of people are like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm excited about. In the entrepreneur space, mm -hmm. I hear this. Yeah. People that want to be entrepreneurs. 
And I say, have a, figure out what your vision is. Go into nature, you know, disconnect from uh, all your phones and devices and just get back to you. Go play in the park for days and days until you figure out what it is. Um, but I think everything stems from a vision. What we uh, dream about and what we feel in our heart would be so rewarding for us. And that vision is partly what I think is what we're born to do. It's like God created us or whoever you believe in created us I believe for a reason, and that's to discover what our talents are, and our visions are, and our dreams are, and then it's our job to pursue them with so much passion, because that's going to create a ripple effect around the people that watch us pursue our dreams. So how do we, how do we, in a non-cliched way, yes, talk about passion and the role that it played for you, mm -hmm. and ideally your explication on how it pertains I, to others? Yeah, for me, it's the fuel. It's the fuel that says I'm gonna do a, whatever it takes above and beyond every single day. I'm gonna obsess over something to learn the skills to create more value for people and to create the life that I want. The business I want, the finances, the opportunities, the health, whatever. So it's the fuel. And then you gotta put, you know, then you create the boring game plan, right? Mm -hmm. Like the non-sexy thing, which is the game plan. It's going to Toastmasters for every week. Yeah, okay, what am I gonna do? Weeks. I'm gonna go every single week or I'm gonna work on photography an hour a day or I'm gonna, you know, whatever, go to this class, I'm going to invest in Creative Live, and I'm gonna do these courses because that's where I'm gonna master my craft, then I'm gonna actually implement it. And then I'm gonna give myself a challenge. You gotta give yourself a challenge and a deadline. Okay, I'm gonna land my first photography gig for a wedding, or whatever it may be, or a corporate gig, and I'm gonna charge $500. That's what I'm gonna get for this four hour photography shoot by three months from now. You just gotta give yourself a deadline and a challenge so that you can then have the game plan to make that happen. That's a pretty good roadmap, and you got a little community Simple. thing in there. You yes, got, yeah. add a coach or a support staff or something. I love the simplicity. Simple. So this has been reasonably theoretical, and then we mm -hmm. got a game plan out of that, so there's a tactical thing. I'm gonna go into a little bit of, yeah. of Lewis. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> um, you, your, your sports background, what do you feel like that gave you? An incredible edge over everyone else in my space who didn't play sports. Because I just know, and it's not, and again, let me take it back because for me it used to be I wanted to win and beat everyone. After sports was over, I was like, how am I gonna do this so I can be like at the top of what I do? And now I look at it as how can I, I be at the top but also bring everyone else with me. How can I create a win-win? It's not about beating someone or necessarily having the edge over them, but really knowing that I'm going to be able to go after what I want and I can deal with the pain that comes on a daily basis. I was talking to Neil Strauss and he shared a, a quote that Lionel Richie, Neil was a famous music uh, journalist for years for Rolling Stone, interviewed mm -hmm. uh, Lionel Richie. He, he had a year, he said, where everything happened. He won a Grammy, mm -hmm. he you know, had a platinum record, he, you know, every, you, possible everything so he was on top and he said you know what you know what when I finally I clawed my way up that mountain you know it was there when I got there nothing <laughs> right yeah yeah literally nothing so I love your concept of, yeah and do you feel like sports was a part of that I just don't know any other experience so you, it's you what can you have. know right it's what yeah you know. I mean I just don't know anything else that a child could go through in their teens or up till they go to college that facilitates the type of community Teamwork. The teamwork, yeah. the type of shared vision, the type of constant challenge, daily challenge, 
the type of physical pain you have to go through, emotional pain. Unless you go to like army school boot camp when yeah. you're 12 or something and they put you through the same thing, I just don't know anything else. Cool. Debate club or something is not going to compare with the physical pain you feel and the emotional pain as like a football and soccer. Yeah, winning, losing. Everything. Yeah, There's injuries. so much ups and downs that the adversity you face in that part of your life, you can handle so much more adversity when you try to like learn something new because I'm learning every single day as an entrepreneur. Like when I scale my team, it's like, I've never done this before. I've never brought on that was more big, and more people, yeah. so how do I do this? I have no clue. But I've been through so many adverse moments <laughs> that are way more challenging than this, where a guy literally spears me in the ribs full speed the last couple plays of the game, and I've broken three ribs, and I've got to get up and finish the game. And there's thousands of people watching. And my dad just got in a car accident the night before, and he's in a coma, and we don't know if he's alive. And you know all the pain that is stacked against you that happens from sports, and the vision, and your community, and your peers, and all the emotional stress that comes to you, it's just like, oh, the challenge in business, it's like it doesn't even compare compared to what we've been through as athletes, for most of us. What do people, uh, what would people not know about you that they'd be surprised to find out if you told them right now on this show? I'm pretty open if they've watched any of my stuff or read my book. I'm pretty open about all the things I've done. But I would say that I love romantic comedies. Rom-coms. No I way. love romantic comedies. Yeah, What's your favorite romantic love comedy? Love Actually is one of the greatest love movies actually. of all time. There's yeah. a woman next to me on the plane. Uh, to, I just came from, we're in LA now. I just came from New York. There's a woman next to me watched Love Actually. It's amazing. Twice. It's amazing. She man. watched it twice it's in the same movie. flight. Is movie. it that good? I'll tell you another, another uh, fact is that every time I watch the movie Rudy, I cry. Rudy. Oh, man, Rudy. I remember that. Every time I watch the movie Rudy. And wow. here's one that probably people don't, will never guess. I have watched the Justin Bieber movie many times, and I always cry in the part where his grandfather is talking. I don't, if anyone's watched <laughs> the movie. I love it. So, yeah. Uh, morning. Talk to me about how important your morning is to you. It's important because... You know, when I'm consistent with my morning routine, I am way more productive and focused towards my vision throughout the day. And when I'm not, which happens often because I'm traveling or I just don't make it a priority or I think that ah, I've got it down and I don't do it, I notice it. I feel myself slower. I feel myself not as focused, distracted, um, you know, not as kind all the time, and I and I feel it. So the morning routine is very important. When I'm on the top, and I do it, it's it's wake up and say thank you and grat express gratitude. Again, everything stems from gratitude. It's hard to yeah. be angry and grateful you at the same time. I've tried, you can't be. It's really challenging. So start with gratitude, whether you wanna say it to the person next to you or you wanna write it down, you wanna call someone and tell them what you're grateful for, start there. Uh, then for me, when I work out in the morning, I feel better. I just feel better. Move your body. Move the body. Do whatever workout you wanna do. For me, I'm always mixing it up. Um, then 10 minutes of meditation. I usually do 10 minutes before I start. That is, and I use Headspace, an app called Headspace. Yeah. I think it's incredible, it's yeah, simple, it's, it's easy to use, it's not a religious thing. It's just like, do 10 minutes and, you're, and it's gonna set you up for the day. A smoothie or a green juice, and um, always make my bed. Obviously brush my teeth and shower, and then I feel like that's a great morning. Why make your bed? It's a, uh, you know, I've, it's something, and I went to boarding school when I was uh, 13 years old, and um, we had to make our rooms every single day, and I hated it. You know, I hated making my room. I never made it when I was at home, and I, we had to make it there, and we would get 
essentially like scored, you know, like a grade on our room. And um, you know, we always tried to rebel and I didn't really like doing it. And it actually wasn't until after sports was over, pro football was over, a couple years into business, I remember meeting a monk who said you should make your bed every morning. And the, the reason why, I was like, really? My mom's been telling me for years, my house parents were trying to get me to do it, like never wanted to do it until he was like, you know what, it's gonna set you up for an incredible day. It's gonna have you build momentum. The most important thing in every day is building momentum because you can wake up and just do nothing for hours. But when you complete something in a positive way and you clear your space, you clear the energy from what you went through last night in your dreams or the previous day and you clear it, you're setting yourself up for a clean space to create something powerful today. So 90% of the time I'm making my bed every morning when I, I wake up. I love, I mean, I hated it as a kid. I also, yeah. it was one of the things my parents uh, required of me. Yeah. I didn't have many, many rules, but that was one. Uh, my mom's a neat freak to say the least. Yeah. Uh, and yet, as an adult, I find it. I find it's it like therapeutic too. It is. There's something you complete something. At least if you do that, you know I did something today. And right? then, <laughs> as much it's actually coming back at the end of the day mm. to your bed and finding a You're bed like, that's it's nice. Yeah, there's something that's sort of it's, it's not civil. It's welcoming. It is. Oh, I might have had a hard day, and this might have created this challenge or yeah. that challenge. But I did sort of. I mean, it's so simple. It's rewarding right? it sounds, too. But it sounds almost. It sounds trite or childish. But there is something yes. um, that's simple and inviting, and I like, uh, yeah. it's visually clean, I'm a very visual person, so of course. Clutter, clutter freaks me out. However, I just realized, I, don't, I never make my bed when I stay in hotel rooms, and no. I stay in hotel rooms like, Ever. Never. <laughs> like hundreds of days in a, a year, so I don't, I don't know either. what that's about. It's, I don't that's either. my rebellious side. Me too. All right, yeah. so you make your bed, uh, nighttime routine? Do you have one? Again, it depends, so but. Ariane Huffington sat here and told me that she takes a bath every night. Wow. She puts away all screens 30 minutes before bed. That's great. I'm like, I usually go till I can't move anymore, and then I just, wherever I fall down, that's yeah. where I sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not as like optimized in my nighttime as yeah. I could be, but the goal is to pass out before midnight. How important is play for you? It's extremely important. I mean, what? I feel like that's what keeps me childlike. Is playing. What kind of things do you do for play? Salsa dance, play ultimate frisbee, frisbee golf, play bat, pick up basketball. Um, I, yeah, just walk around the town and hang out. Do you yeah. do you build community, as in draw people to you, or do you attend community? And does that say anything about you? I'd say both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing people, and then I'm also going out to different experiences and connecting in new places. How about uh, is there someone? in your life right now who is playing an unexpected, an unexpectedly powerful role like that you didn't expect to be learning from, from and there's someone in your life. You don't need to name names, but mm. like what's the, what role does this person play? I, and the reason I ask is because I'm continually, when I, when I find out that I'm open to inspiration coming from anywhere um, and like dispelling the hierarchy of the universe, like, I learn from the people who are above me, but when you realize you can learn from anyone, is there anybody in your life that's teaching you something that you? Yeah, there's someone who's teaching me that's uh, pushing up against all my buttons that's teaching me a lot about myself, so. And uh, <laughs> just any, any depth there, can you go? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's my, my girlfriend. She's teaching me a lot, you know? I think there's like, it's interesting. I feel like uh, I can connect with, with so many different types of people. And um, I can definitely connect with my girlfriend on an, an amazing level. 
but it's just uh, the dynamic of an intimate relationship is just uh, I'm learning so much more about myself every single day. Awesome. And uh, it just opens up more and more for me. We're going to go to the School of Greatness now. Sure. School of Greatness started out as a podcast. Yes. Then became a book. Started out as an idea. Started out as an idea and a vision. Yeah, a vision. Um, recap that vision for us because this is a great book. And if you're, yeah. uh, if you're not listening, if you're watching, uh, actually, if you are listening, I'm holding up the book right now. <laughs> it's a great good-looking cover. I think our friend Nick Onkin shot that he photograph. He did shoot that, yes. Um, School of Greatness, Real World Guide to Living Bigger, Loving Deeper, and Leaving a Legacy. So presumably this didn't come out of you full formed. It came out like things do in many small chunks uh-huh. over a long, long period of time. Yep. It came um, out from two adversities. The first one is I moved to LA from New York City for a girl. The how'd day, that go for you? The day I moved, she broke up with me. Literally the day you moved. The day I moved. I didn't have an apartment. I had gotten rid of my lease in New York City. I didn't yet have a place to stay in, New- in can, LA. Can I call this woman right now? <laughs> Let her it's know all what's good. up. It's all good. Okay. No, there's no hard feelings. It all worked out the way it needed to, mm-hmm. which I look back to and I'm very grateful for the experience. We ended up like getting back together and breaking up like for another six months or something and it was just really stressful and emotional for me. But it taught me so much about myself and it was like a huge blessing and I'm extremely grateful for that experience and for everything. Um, but at being in LA, I didn't want to be in LA. I wanted to stay in New York. But I came for this girl that then was like, didn't want to be with me. So I was like, why am I doing this? And I was upset at myself, and I was like, I told myself I would never move for a girl, and I was just like beating myself up, felt humiliated, all these things, right? And um, <clears throat> ended up was like, you know what, I'm not gonna run back to New York, I'm gonna stay here and see what great comes from this, being in LA. You know, I'll, I'll make the best of it. So about six or seven months in, I, the, so that was the first adversity. The second adversity is uh, I was in LA traffic, and you're in LA traffic today. And oh here. hell! It's oh. a lot, right? Oh. It's a lot. I think the intersection of the five and the four hundred five is one of the worst places <laughs> on the planet. It's pretty bad. It's horrible. It's pretty bad. Although I was just in Cairo a couple months ago, and that city is insane yeah, traffic-wise. Yeah, any of those cities make our our <laughs> right, problems. Like, exactly. Thank you for putting that in perspective. <laughs> exactly. Be grateful Good. over here. For sure. I love the four hundred five. There's actually the stoplights, you know, <laughs> and rules. Right. Um, so I was driving in traffic one day, I don't know, to go to like work out or something. And I remember just being like, this traffic sucks. Like this is not fun. And so many people were getting mad and just like, it's like there's gotta be a way to like lift people up in this adversity they're facing every day, whether it be in LA or wherever around the world in traffic. And this was in 2012, when did I launch it, 2012? January of 2012. 2013, yeah, so in 2012, you had this like, towards the end, I was like, Pat Flynn and Derek Halpern and a few, John Lee Dumas were doing these podcasts, and I would ask them, I was like, is this actually working for you? Are people like listening? They were like, it's actually one of the most powerful things for my business. I'm building my audience, I'm connecting with people, it's inspiring them, and I was like, really? This podcasting thing that I thought was dead? And they were like, yeah. It's, it's weird. It was a, had a re- really early, like 2006, yeah, thing. I was doing a video podcast on iTunes. And then it died. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it came back in like 2011, 2012, 13. And I was like, huh, if these guys could do a podcast, I think I could do a podcast. I, as you know, I'd built like a lot of great relationships for years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why don't I just have great conversations with people and record them like you do and put them out there? I think it could really inspire people who are driving in traffic. And I was just thinking of the idea, I was like, what would be a good name for this podcast? 
And I remember talking to a friend of mine who was like, you should do it on business and marketing or call it the Lewis Howes show or this and that. And I was like, I don't want to pigeonhole it into one specific thing. But he was like, this is what you teach. You tell people to get into a niche and then expand from there. You started with LinkedIn, you won't expand it from there. And I was like, I understand what I said. It's like, do as I say, not as I do thing. <laughs> but I was like, I want to do something different. And I want it to be broader. And I want it to be about learning and education. But I was horrible in school. So why don't we call it like the school of greatness? And that's kind of how it came. I was like, I wanted to be about inspiration and greatness and like unlocking your human potential. Where do, um, where do ideas like that come for you? Uh, for me, for conversation. Again, all comes back to connection. Not Team, trying to do it on your own. Community. Yeah, getting feedback and like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh yeah, you know, it's like still like an artist type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And it's just like, let's put it together in something that connects to the vision. Um, and so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this thing once a week for a year. And again, I gave that's myself bad. a yeah, deadline. Toastmasters 2.0. Gave myself here. a game plan. I was like, I'm going to create a, one episode a week for a year. I think I missed one or two in the first year. And I launched it at the, in the end of January 2013. And um, did it every week for a year. It was horrible in the beginning. I was like, the sound quality was bad. I was getting all this negative feedback from the production value. But I was just like, all right, how can I make it better? Again, like a football game, in the first game of the season, you're going to be pretty bad. You're going to get a lot of feedback. You're going to watch the game film. And your coach is going to point out 100 mistakes you make. So hopefully you make 90 mistakes the next week. And so I just continue to improve each week. Okay, and let me, let me just get a little bit better mic as opposed to using my iPhone in a, like a loud place. Maybe that'll help. Um, let me do a little bit more research beforehand and I actually have some better questions. Uh, let me not talk as much and let them talk more. Let me like dive in and just really listen. You know, so each week I gave myself a challenge, feedback based on what people were saying. And I just improved, improved, improved. And um, I remember, you know, Eight years ago, I had uh, this vision for the book. And um, Steve Hanselman, my agent, was like, I think we should do a book. And I started writing a proposal around like a business book. And so we spent all this time writing this business book. But as this podcast was happening and growing, my podcast listeners we were like, will you create a community for us so we can learn more about the principles and have an online course around the School of Greatness? So I created the School of Greatness Academy that people fell in love with and were getting results around the School of Greatness principles. And, um, and I was writing a proposal for a business book at the same time. And this course was growing and this community was growing and the podcast was growing. And then we finished the proposal for this business book and he's like, okay, we're gonna go shop it and it's time to go sell the book. And I was like, ah, I don't think this is the book I wanna do. He's like, what do you mean? Steve's like, what? He's like, what do you mean? We just spent two years on this. <laughs> And I was like, How I hard know. Is that? How hard is that? It was hard. Yeah. He goes, he goes, well, what do you want to write about? I was like, I think I want to write about greatness. Like the school of greatness. This is what lights me up more than anything right now. My community is telling me they want more of this. I know it's not a specific business book, which will probably sell really well, but it's like a broader topic. Um, and it's more vague sounding, so it's not as like concrete, but I just feel like it's going to do incredible. He's like, all right, well, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. So we redid the whole proposal. So it started with a podcast, then an online community with a course, then the book. Now we're launching, we're just deepening the brand. We're launching more and more things around that. Now it's gonna be a conference and an experiential event at the end of this year called the Summit of Greatness. Do I get to go? You get to go, yes. Yes, yes. yes. And, um, and that's where it's going. You know, it's, it all stemmed from an idea of I wanna inspire people who are stuck. 
literally stuck in traffic, but stuck in their lives, <laughs> and you know, just aren't in fully inspired, or that want information to get to the next level, wherever that level is in any area of their life. And so I bring on professors who are at the top of their game to teach the non-traditional ways of learning, things that I didn't learn in school that I think every school should be teaching to help us have a great life. You have a, an incredible class on Creative Life. Speaking of teaching, I want to give you props as a nice. teacher. Thank you. Um, you you want to recap? Well, you want to recap the. Well, class? I did one. The first one I think is one of like the yeah the best selling or, or something one of the, one of the in the business classes. category. Uh -huh. It's about how to build and launch an online business, essentially. Yeah, they're online they're, brand and yeah, business. Yeah, the uh, it's like three years old now. I think. How it still lights out though. There's yeah, this yeah, like, it's, creating it's quality. online business. Yeah, it, it is high quality, and you're you're a very motivational, inspirational uh, cat. The the class, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, you had a cast of students that were, were in your class and... Someone made 22 grand that weekend, yeah. do you remember? So you, you taught them how to find something in their world that they were passionate about. Yes. On like the first day. The second day, you spent setting up like a, literally a store online. A webinar with a PayPal link. A webinar with the PayPal link. And then the third day, the students performed a live webinar. One student did, yeah. One student within the context of the class. So it was yes. a class watching people start it was a like, class. Implemented this right now. Yeah, yes. like literally in the moment. And yes. she, she she made like twenty two grand, 22. I think twenty one thousand something yeah. in an hour <laughs> from that class. Yeah, yeah. In real time. That real time. So and we filmed crazy. it on Creative yeah. Live yeah. and saying, okay, we're gonna show you what she's doing real time, show you the numbers. Yeah. Well, yeah. She had no clue she was doing that until sure. she got there. So. so Check out that class uh, yeah, it's cool. on Creative Life. It's a, it's a super badass class. Let's get back to principles, though. Yes. The principles in the book, you've, you've, you talk about uh, 10, is that right? Eight principles Eight of greatness, principles. yep. Uh, Eight is great, man. We, we want the, the folks at home to pick up the book. Um, I'll so tell you, get, how much time do we have? I'll tell you a couple principles. Go for it. How much time do we have? Enough. Enough time. Enough. Okay, Enough well, to get in a few principles. I'll, I'll say the first and the last one, and then you can ask me about more okay. if we have time. The first one is what we've been talking about over and over today, and I think it speaks to entrepreneurs, to artists, to moms, uh, to people in business, whatever it is, in sports, any area of your life. If you want to be great, if you want to have a great family, if you want to have the child of your dreams, you have to have a clear vision first. It starts with vision. Vision, how, how vision, do you vision. capture the vision? This is tactical. I know we're talking about principles, but yes. how do you capture the vision? How do you get clear on your vision? Yeah, you mean? and then how do you sort of represent it? Do you write it down? Do you staple it? Do sure. you draw it? Do it you... depends. Uh, for getting clear, it all depends on what you want. So you got to ask yourself, what do I want in this life? At least right now. What's my vision for the next six months, six, uh, a year, ten years? Think about a vision that you have. And again, you know, I played baseball all the way up until senior year. It was a big vision of mine, a dream of mine, to play baseball every single season. In my senior year, I was just like, I'm not inspired by this anymore. So it wasn't my vision anymore. So visions can change. It's they okay. can evolve. You can love something for a while and get burnt out and then go on to the next thing. Do you write it down? I write it down, absolutely. I'm very clear about my vision. When it comes to me, I'm like, okay, here's my vision and what I want to create for the next year, let's say. And I write it down and I create a deadline of when I want to create it by. And a goal associated with it. And a goal associated. And then I create a game plan from there. So, but the vision, so it could be I want to have a family, two, a boy and a girl as a mom, right? Okay, that's a vision. I want to have a family. So I want to meet someone within a year and I'm going to put a date on it. 
And then I'm going to create this for my, I'm going to create the life. I'm not going to wait and hope it comes to me. Sure, I'm going to create. You're talking about, when you say vision, you're also like literally envisioning. Yeah, of course. Yes. There's some mental framing. And then you're putting it out there and you're telling, hey, I'm, set me up with someone. You know, put me on dates. I want to give my, you know, put myself out there more, whatever it is, you know. It's the same thing in business, life, and everything. Everything stems from a vision, getting clear on it, writing it down. I frame it. I put it on my wall as if it's already been achieved by a specific date. And then I create the game plan. Give me a little more context there. He's like, it was so great that I achieved the New York Times bestseller list. Yes, wow. it's more of like, you know, it's, I call it a certificate of achievement. So this certificate of achievement is awarded to Lewis Howes for achieving what? And you frame that thing. What is that thing? You frame then, it literally and figuratively. And then you, and then you literally and figuratively, you put the date, it's awarded by this date, signed by your name. So you're awarding it to yourself. Wow. Maybe that's a little woo-woo or something sounding, no, but cool. I, this is I what like I've been doing in sports. Yeah. You know, as a kid, you we did go some to sports. What you know. Exactly. So I frame it, you know, for everything. For me, it's a powerful reminder to, to again stay focused on the dream. And so I, I see it, I remind myself of it every day when I'm looking at it. Every Monday you talk to your team about it. Every Monday, I mean it's even more often, you know, we're we're, we're connecting and more, but yeah, every Monday it's just what is our vision? So that's Why the first principle. First principle of greatness is uh, get clear on your vision. Yeah, vision. The last principle of greatness? <clears throat> we are here for more than just ourselves. Again, we shouldn't be here to be a lone wolf. We're here to connect and create together. The last principle, in my mind, is the most powerful. It's living a life of service. Your vision should be to serve in whatever capacity possible. So whatever you want to... back to that adding value thing, too. It's all about right? adding value. Yeah. All about adding value. Service. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean I need to donate all my time to the shelters and just, like, give constantly in that format. For me, service looks like how can I impact with every interview that I do or everything I create, how can I impact the maximum number of people in their li for their lives? And for me, that's my way of service. It's like I'm doing this to serve. I'm doing this to give back. You know, I'm not charging for all the things that I do. A lot of these things I do is to give, is to create opportunities for growth in people's lives. Um, so you want to look at, like, how can you make the biggest amount of impact on the people around you? I think it's the most rewarding gift you can give yourself is to give something away. I was, uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to a friend, Chris Jordan. I went to his house. Uh, he's a photographer, very well-known photographer, fantastic TED speech. Uh, incredible, incredibly powerful work, works on the environment. And I went to his house and he has several gongs. Mm. A gong, he's like, yeah, he's like, you can come check out my gong. I was like, cool, <laughs> I guess I'll check out your gongs. And if you've ever, with the intention of listening and experiencing a gong, just stood in a room, there's a gong hanging in front of you and you take this big, beautiful mallet yeah. and you whack that thing and you stand in front of it, it is, it is transcendent, wow. I'm telling you. It's very, very powerful. When I left his house, he gave me one. Wow. I mean, this is a gigantic brass thing. I could barely lift the thing. It is one of the most beautiful things I've ever received. Really? I, it was completely unexpected. And I know we're not, giving away things is not uh -huh. necessarily <clears throat> physical gifts, but my point is that I was not expecting it. And, People don't move through the world expecting to get things for free, I guess most of the people that I know anyway. And that gift of giving, whether it's volunteering at the shelter or giving a gong to your friend, right, right. 
it's very powerful, the, yeah. the, this reciprocity of giving and receiving. And I, th I think it's under, under articulated in our country, or our country, our time, our culture is what I meant to say, um, and certainly undervalued. So yeah. be in service, give. Yes. Um, I'm going to shift gears now. So that's the book. Okay, it's a, I, I want, I don't want to give. A couple principles, yeah. yeah. Two, I can share more the, if you want. Yeah, I want, I want the folks at home again, Lewis's book. Um, you've also given some great talks about that. We were together at WDS, yeah. the World Domination Summit. Our friend Chris Gillibo puts that on every year. A phenomenal gathering. Of, yeah, amazing. Of, it's what uh, inspired me to do my Summit of Greatness. I was there and I was like, this is incredible. Incredible. I want to create this for my community, yeah. So cool. So yeah. it's going to be at the end of the year, and I'm sure yes. if people are following you, then they'll know how to yeah. how to uh, dial that yeah. in. Um, before we forget, give me some coordinates on the internet. So you're at Lewis House. At Lewis House everywhere except for Snapchat. It's Lewis underscore House. Some squatter just. I got it. it myself originally, then deleted the app like a year and a half ago, then got back on, and I cannot remember my password. Oh no. Lewis and I didn't know how to house. figure it out. Yeah, they I'm out. having so much fun with Snapchat. It's fun. You're it's doing really well. So I've been fun. following you. It's so fun. You're good at it. Uh, it's it's light, creative, uh, in the moment. Quick. Yeah, it's super quick. I, I enjoy it, and it allows a connection on a one-to-one -one level. Yeah. I can really reply to a lot of staffs in a short amount yeah, of time. It's good. Uh, it's super fun and very engaging. Um, so before we close, mm -hmm. speed round. Yes. Ready. Let's do um, it. <clears throat> Foods you won't eat. Um, any fruit besides apple and banana. Wow. No berries, no fruit besides apple and banana. Texture or? Texture, taste, yeah, everything. Smell. Taste? Who doesn't like raspberries? I have like the taste buds of like a seven-year-old. So. so chicken nuggets for dinner for you every night? No, but as I learned how to eat healthier, <laughs> I used to eat just chicken tenders and french fries and pizza. But now I'm like... Is this, can you validate this? You know, <laughs> you guys? But not, I eat very that. healthy actually now, but it's just I just don't like fruits and berries. But I eat a lot of bananas and apples. Cardio or weights? Depends on the season, but usually weights. Um, morning or night? Night. Mm, depends on what we're doing. You're, but this is <laughs> this is cur I've got several curveballs already. What did you learn yesterday? What Meaningful. Was what was what was a lesson you took um, from yesterday? Yeah, lesson I learned yesterday was uh, stay focused because I was having a talk with my COO. He was like, "There's just a lot on your plate right now." And at the beginning of the year, you had a clear focus, and you said yes to a lot. So it's time to reconfigure and stay focused on the vision. So again, it's going back to like committing to what you want and staying on it, as opposed to just like, I'm so, I could be easily distracted with the best of them. Be like, yes, 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 let's do it. Put it in my schedule, put it on my plate. And it's like, oh, I'm like exhausted. So, so if, if the question is yes or no, what's your answer? <clears throat> um, you're, you're clearly trapped here. Yeah, it, it's how to be creative to like expand my plate and my team to still do it but stay focused on the most important things. How do you or put it up later? Do you um, schedule things, or do oh, you? Yeah. Are you a militant scheduler? Yeah, all day stuff scheduled. Do Doesn't mean I go off the schedule, but yeah. So you start with the plan, and then you're willing to oh, deviate yeah. from the yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Is I change a, things last minute all the time. Do you, but yeah. do you have uh, a format for doing that? You put things in. My assistant schedules everything for me. I mean, yeah. Does she have any direction? Um. Time like schedule this for ten minutes, schedule this for thirty minutes, an hour. Do it usually like after. I try to schedule everything after ten o'clock so I can get all the stuff in my morning and not feel rushed. 
Um, so yeah. What's a mistake you've made in hiring? Mm. I made a mistake with these two. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got two um, awesome people in the past. In the room you know, again, I didn't know what I was doing early on, mm-hmm. and I think um, I wanted to hire like one of the first people that I found that I was like, "Oh, do you want to do it? Okay, let's do." Do you have a heartbeat? Are you willing? Great, yeah. you're hired. Well, it's just like there's a need usually for an entrepreneur or someone who's hiring, and I'm an impatient person at times, and I want the need filled yesterday. You know what I mean? And so. Being very patient and asking the right questions when hiring has been something that I've learned how to do better at, and I continue to get better at it. Um, but making sure that I think someone wants to be with your team and is aligned to your vision, as opposed to they just want to learn everything and then leave in three months. And then that's exhausting. So yeah. finding people that want to be a part of a team and part of a vision as opposed to just like, let me get all the skills I can take from you and then, and then no, leave. Yeah. yeah, so that's just not what I'm looking for personally. What's your best social platform? What do you feel like you, how, how do you express yourself best socially for the folks out there that might not have time? Good hands, yeah, yeah, so good. It, uh, best social platform. And, and defensive back too. So. I would say this is probably like not technically a social platform, but my podcast on iTunes right now is the best. Um, just the impact an hour-long interview gives Amen to, that. to someone's life. Someone you've loved to interview. It's tricky. I, today has been watching Jim Carrey videos, his inspiring videos. So Jim Carrey, Will Smith, and The Rock are my top three this year. Got it. How about someone you've already interviewed that you got a lot of value from and you feel like your audience did too? Tony Robbins. I interviewed him a year ago, and I'm actually interviewing him in two days, um, again for the second time. But his... Uh, I think his insights were pretty powerful for people, yeah. What is it that you love about Tony? He is so certain of his vision and so certain of who he is. It's crystal, isn't it? It's crystal clear. Very clear. And I love that inspiration. Um, What's missing right now for you? I wish I could clone myself. Time? Yeah, I think it's just like, I have so many ideas that I want to create. I've, I feel like I'm an artist in, in my own sense, and um, I just want to create them faster. And so learning how to either build a team to create it together with the team faster, or I don't know. It's like figuring out the process of how do I create faster with just as much value and meaning behind it, not just like, let's get it out to get it out. But it's like still awe-inspiring to people when they get it, and I didn't have to spend all my time on it. What's one thing I didn't ask you that you would like to tell the world? Hmm, I'd like to tell the world. Um, You know, there's a quote that I like saying. It's, uh, people don't uh, care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think... Nothing matters unless you care about people and they know that you care about them. It doesn't matter what you create, how great of an artist you are, businessman you are, woman, whatever significance you've created, I think really at the end of the day it doesn't matter unless people know you care. I'm going to echo that and it's gonna, I want to say that, that uh, having gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. Got a, a lot one. of presents stacked up in my, my closet that I'm ashamed that I haven't sort really? of given, and I need to unpack that a little bit more. Wow. So I'm grateful for a lot of things, and a lot of people don't know that. Is so. that your quote? Uh, 
That's a good one. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> yeah. And quote you. And no, quote no, I'm you. sure it's from somebody way smarter than okay. me. But I, maybe we should do some research. I don't research. know if you can. Yeah. Um, my man, I got, I got, speaking of gratitude, I got a ton of gratitude for you, your time. You. You're, you're willing to sit down for us for 90 minutes here and uh, unpack you, the school of greatness, uh, and help people uh, here on Creative Live live their dreams in career, hobby, and life. Thanks, man. Thank Appreciate you. It. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say, A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this. Also, uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.